So here we are again. Uh, by the time you're hearing this, I'm going to be in Gen Con. Uh, so uh, either you're listening to this while I'm at Gen Con or you're listening to it after. Or if you're listening, again, I said this in the last one that you're going to hear, but if you're listening to this during Gen Con, come find me because that's freaking cool. But while we're at Gen Con, we're gonna, we wanted to supply you guys with some content and some people have graciously stepped up to help us provide that content. For this interview, who do I have on Google Hangouts this time? Uh, it's Corey Young, first time designer getting published this year for the first time. Gravwell is being printed by Cryptozoic. That's right. And, uh, you, may remember that Jordan and I actually talked a little bit about Gravwell in one of our Geek News segments and mentioned that Corey actually does listen to the show. So the real reason Corey is here, he's here to just really spend the next hour or so talking about how awesome I am. Go, Corey. <laughs> okay, I have, a, I have a full outline, a full uh, syllabus here, all the, all the high points I want to discuss of the, the many virtues of all the speaks. <laughs> Well, you, you can only give me an hour, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you know, I can make exceptions for for quality content like this, Corey. I can make some exceptions. We can go longer, as you are well aware. We can go longer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Would you be insulted if you knew that I I listened to you guys at one point five speed? No, because oh. uh, not at all. Because I've uh, some of the things that I listened to recently that I've been starting to listen to are. Uh, and I've talked about it on the show, but podcasts about podcasting. That subject just came up on one I was ta- I was listening to, and he was talking about. And I, it never dawned on me, and I don't care. I mean, consume how you consume, right? But he was talking about how he was upset at first when he started learning people listening to him at, at different speeds, but then now that's all the only way he'll listen to anything. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It, it is. It is nice when you're trying to squeeze a bunch in, and there are so many good podcasts i mean not as good as yours but there are oh, other good podcasts now there. now you're sucking up because <laughs> the other thing obviously is jordan and i are very self-aware so thank you but you're sucking up yeah. <laughs> all right well a couple of the questions coming up uh first of all the pretty much the only stock questions i have and then it's just a conversation between the two of us but uh you're aware of some of these professionally sir what do you do yeah it would surprise you to find out i'm an it guy what because, you know, there's, there's so few it guys in uh in board game design and my degree my uh the first degree i got was in secondary education so i'm i'm uh, a double threat here with the teacher and it guy both <laughs> i actually work for uh, a company that makes uh, project management software and i go around the country um helping Big corporations use our software and um, configure it to their needs. So it's it's a great opportunity because I'm able to get around. Uh, I've met up with folks in Utah, Dallas, Austin, Houston. I uh, worked my way around here, Virginia, uh, in Richmond, New York, Manhattan. Well, I'm trying to think all over. Uh, right now I'm in Madison, and I'll be meeting. I've already met up with several game designers here. It's just really it's a neat opportunity. Yeah, you you mentioned you're in Madison. I mean. Uh... Corey's kind enough to have this conversation uh, with us from his hotel room <laughs> so as he's traveling around the country here. And if I would have known you were so close, maybe I'd have just 
drove down and we could have had this conversation in person. <laughs> yeah, sure. Have better audio here. Yeah. <laughs> I get a big shiny mic instead of my uh, laptop mic. But um, no, it's it's pretty cool. The um, the, it also gives, affords me a lot of time in the evenings to to work on game design and so on. I say the the only thing I I regret about my my job is that I'm away from my wife and kids quite a bit. I'm home every weekend and all of my time in the weekends is spent with with uh, my wife and kids. That's just priority one. But uh, find myself in hotel rooms alone a lot. And that with my uh, laptop I can do game design uh, undisturbed. It's pretty nice. So then the next question, of course, is what makes you a geek, Corey? Oh, gosh. Uh, well, I was a Star Wars geek in uh, middle school and high school, and that was when the real, the first movies, I should say, the real movies were coming out, right? <laughs> Where you had to wait for two, three years between episodes. And uh, I started out as a Star Wars geek, and I've really made the transition over to a Star Trek geek. Um, in fact, uh, we're eating dinner tonight, I was catching up on some Deep Space Nine. Nice. Yeah. I also, there's a lot of science topics that I'm, I'm very interested in. Um, Chaos theory, fuzzy logic, quantum mechanics, quantum physics. Uh, I I would say string theory, and I'm a bit of a, a bit of a skeptic when it comes to string theory. Uh, but that's that's my that's my reading. I don't actually I don't actually read uh, much fiction. Uh, I enjoy those sort of sort of things more. So I used to enjoy quite a bit of science fiction and um, the dramas like uh, what you, uh, like um, Tom Clancy, yeah, that sort of thing. But now. If I have time to read, it's either science or sociology, uh, things like uh, Malcolm Gladwell's books. Those are those are some of my favorites. And then one I've added recently, you might have heard recently, is uh, do you have any geek-level passions for something that people might not consider geek when they first hear about it? Well, some would say about games. I'm a completist, meaning that if I get into a game, I want to have every supplement ever for it. I am complete on Carcassonne, which is not an easy one to get complete on. Uh, there are some real obscure tiles, but I have everything available for Carcassonne. I'm complete on Seven Wonders, as far as I know right now. Uh, that I think just, and sometimes that's that can really be a challenge. You know, years ago I actually tried to be complete for a while on Munchkin. Now this was a time when I wasn't actually playing Munchkin. Um, I would just. I always thought in the back of my mind, I'm going to get a, get this out and play it again. And somewhere in the interim, I lost all interest in Munchkin. I kept collecting it, but to actually get it to the table and play it, I just, okay, this is, it's not my game anymore. And I ended up selling this uh, enormous collection of, of uh, Munchkin goodies, including the rare Sommler box. I don't know if you ever heard of it, but it was a wooden box made in Germany for holding all your cards. And it used to be able to hold all the cards that were available. And it had a cover by John Kavalik. And I had my cover signed by Kavalik and Steve Jackson. I, I get goosebumps talking about it. <laughs> but anyway, but, uh, you know, they, they were turning out promotional things so fast. There's no way to be complete on that. And recently, more recently, I would have been, I was starting to think I might want to get complete on King of Tokyo. Okay. But there are two promotionals on that. And right now those promotionals are like $175 yeah. on, on eBay if you can find them. <laughs> and for a small piece of, of cardstock, that's a little hard to justify. <laughs> but you still try every day? You, try, you wake up every morning trying to figure out how you're going to make the justification? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just one of those itches you just can't quite scratch. I, I, I enjoy playing uh, King of Tokyo with my boys and... You know, it's it's a, a fun little game, but uh, 
I need that when I don't feel that that compelled about. My wife will tell you that I'm I'm crazy about game components. About you know, I let my kids wander across the street, but by God, if a, if you know a piece goes missing from my games, I have a hissy fit. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so and and for the games I really like, I will get as good a components as I can find for them. You know, uh, Meeple Source has some really nice uh, meeples for things like Carcassonne. And I've often joked I would love to get steel meeples. You know, I, I, I enjoy I, Carcassonne. I, I could be I down with that. Like, yeah, yeah. Imagine that. <laughs> and I pitched the idea to, to um, oh, is it uh, Crystal Cast? The, this, um, there's a company that makes steel dice. I have a really nice full set of polyhedrals that you use in role-playing, all in brushed steel. And I love these dice. I absolutely love these dice. And anybody that I play with hates them because, um, <laughs> well, if you have a nice table, they're going to mar your table. Uh, <laughs> and um, I've got a, a D20 the size of a golf ball. You roll that thing and everything on the table jumps, right? Uh, so <laughs> but, I, you know, I like just the feel of these big, strong steel dice. So uh, someone's compensating. Yeah. So. <laughs> My fiance, well, I've always collected dice. It's just one of those weird things, you know, back in role playing days where you always had your favorite dice and all that stuff. And I just kind of, even, even when I didn't role play as much, I kept collecting dice. So my fiance and I now, instead of a uh, change jar, we have a dice jar that we're constantly oh. adding to. We got, and it's, sure. it, it's like this huge, I can't remember where we got it or what it's for, but I mean, it's, it's, you know, bigger than your head and taller. And, uh, just nice glass with a cork top. And I used Ooh. to use it as an old change jar and we just decided that's where all our dice are going to go. So they're nice and visible. And now every time somebody wants to get us a smaller type gift, they'll get us dice of some type. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sure. That you get a lot of like casino dice and things of that sort or. Yeah. That's um, the, that's the one thing. A lot of when it comes to like her side of the family and stuff, it's almost consistently D sixes. So I'm the one throwing the polyhedrals in there. Right. Right. Sure. Sure. <laughs> I, I, I've got a thing for just interesting, um, interesting dice. It, to me, I'm colorblind. So the differences in color on dice is just meh. Who cares? Uh, as long as yeah. it's got enough contrast, I'm happy. But I, I just like interesting, you know, odd, odd kind of dice. So the, the D3s of the world and, and, uh, those, those sorts of things. I have probably my favorite, and I should remember the name of these is it's a set of, you'd say 2D6, but the numbers on them are different. And it's a mathematical thing. One of them has ones and twos and threes on it, but the other has an eight and a number of other values on the dice. But these two dice together, have the exact same distribution as 2d6. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just odd, just an odd one, right? Yeah. Nice. So I'll look that up later and send it to you, and then you can uh, include that in the, in the, I'm sure, the uh, copious footnote uh, links. On <laughs> hey, the, now, on the hey, now. I like my show notes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'll, I'll send you that. It's, it's an interesting, uh, to me, uh, those little math things trip my trigger. I also... I collect some dice. I really collect a lot of decks of cards. And to me, uh, it's again, I don't care that, you know, I go to the Rio or something like that and I get a, a deck there. I'm not, I'm not into that. I don't, it's not just a theme. I want it to be something different, whether the uh, suits are the wrong colors. That's a fun one to break up once in a while is, 
this, where the suits are reversed. Mm-hmm. People don't get it at first when they're playing it, that the spades are red and, and so on. Mm-hmm. That one's kind of fun. I have a Braille deck. I have no blind friends, but I have a Braille deck. I have you know, a lot of low vision type of cards. The huge ones that are bigger than a sheet of you know eight and a half by eleven paper, just really nice large ones you use on a game show. Decks like those, I, I I find interesting. Yeah, I think one of the, the most dangerous time for me personally was when I decided to help out and work part time at a game store for a couple of years, for like a year and a half. <laughs> oh, that's that's yeah, that's a black hole. That's <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it, it was you know my extra money i was pulling in i was you know yeah it was pretty much here here greg here's my check here's yeah uh, especially since uh my boss at the time he was very very generous to his employees so it was one of those things you're working at night by yourself you're bored and you just start looking around going what don't i own (laughs) 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 all right Corey. Let's talk a little bit here. You mentioned that you're, you know, you're going to be first time published here. So, how long have you been looking at? How long have you been designing games? Well, um, I could say, you know, a long time. If I talk about back in in high school, where I would retheme some of those old Steve Jackson games, right? Uh, I, I came up with variations on Ogre. I was, I liked Tom Wham's games. Tom Tom Wham is still around, and uh, he his games would often appear in uh, Dungeon Magazine. He's probably best known for Awful Green Things from Outer Space and Snit's Revenge. And he, he was one of those rare, you know, I say was, the dude ain't dead. He's still making <laughs> games. But uh, he, he's one of those guys that uh, does his own artwork too. And he's, he's, he's not a, a half bad illustrator as well. It's kind of, kind of fun to see his style. But I latched on one of his games, uh, Search for the Emperor's Treasure. And I, and I came up with a bunch of variations for that. And, and that's just, it was it was fun, but it, it first that was probably my first bite. That's where I, I I got infected there, and my friends enjoyed the variations I made. Then the Air Force happened. I, I joined the Air Force and was in for about four years. Uh, met my wife, became model citizen, <laughs> and had a few kids. Uh, four. Uh, we're done. <laughs> They're the greatest playtesters. Uh, anyway. But then I got a little bit back into it about uh, six seven years ago. Probably about seven years ago. I had a game that I was working on called Hackyback, H-A-K-U-B-A-K, Hackyback. And it was about uh, hacking networks, hacking computer networks. You had a network and uh, your opponent did and you tried to defend your network and so on. But I was working in information security at the time and I, I made it, it was still a light game, but um, I made it close enough to reality that, that I think somebody who, who worked in the field would appreciate it. Things like social engineering and dumpster diving and, you know, the, the fun, colorful things. But, uh, and actually got a little bit of traction with that with, um, Steve Jackson. They looked at it. I sent them a, a letter talking to them about their game called Hacker. Right. Yeah. This was right. So we're, in, we're in the 21st century, right? Uh, seven years ago or so. <laughs> and I said, you know, Hacker, you know, fun game could use a, an update. Right. Because it still had dial-ups. And if you buy it today, it still has dial-ups. Yeah. Uh, and you can hack faster if you get a faster modem. If you, yeah. if you remember what a modem was. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I was great. You know, I was, I was polite about it, but, uh, you know, I just said, you know, I have an idea for this. And they said, okay, you know, we'll have a look at it. And I submitted the, um, the prototype. It took a while, uh, you know, a few months. 
And they responded back, and they couldn't have been more gracious. It was a no, but it was one of the nicest no's I, I, you know, I've ever seen in any industry. They clearly played it a lot. They um, really they had some great suggestions for it. You know, it'd be better for this. It'd be um, might think about going with smaller cards, and they just had a lot of really good suggestions uh, about the gameplay and, and so on, uh, and were very encouraging. And that was really my first taste of how nice the folks are in this industry. And I, I've, I've only seen more of that since. Then uh, came up with some other, some other designs, other games. And I, was, I ended up pitching one game to a pretty big manufacturer at, a, at a Origins probably about five years ago. And the, I could see that the pitch wasn't going that well. It was just, okay, this is okay. But the game had a... I don't know if you know about dominant strategies or if you, you hear the term dominant strategies, but you know, there's a bit, basically the particular way you play and you're going to win. If you play that way, you're going to win. And their gatekeeper clearly saw the dominant strategy right away. So it was a busted game. I saw where it was going. So I, I, I had another idea for a game that I've been kicking around for a while and I pitched it in like 60 seconds and he cut me off and said, okay, that game, I want to hear that game. Show me that game. So I put it, to, I, I built it over the course of a couple of months, whatever the gap is between Origins and Gen Con. So that's about uh, three months. And he liked it. And they ended up moving forward with it. And it was in the pipe with this, again, just I'll just say major publisher for quite a while, like two years. And I've started working on some other designs as well. And I'm sorry, that was my phone just making Star Trek noises. <laughs> oh, yeah, you were asking my geek roots? Okay. <laughs> the, uh, anyway, it died in blind playtest. It has a busted end game. It just wasn't a, a real strong end game. And I knew that. I thought it was okay, but it just wasn't strong enough. You end with kind of a whimper, not a bang. And in a, any type of game, you want to, you want a crescendo at the end of the game, right? You want, whether you win big or lose big, you want it big. And it was, it just wasn't delivering that. So I started designing, you know, some of the other ideas, the harebrained ideas I had. I'm sorry. I'm kind of hit the fast forward button here. Um, and <laughs> get to, um, last year. At Gen Con last year, I had what I thought was a, a pretty good design, and I brought four prototypes of it to uh, to Gen Con, and I got four publishers to to take the prototype. That is how I deal with. That's how I I, I deal with this. Uh, I, I talk to publishers at conventions. I've tried email. I've tried submitting things through the formal chains with conventional mail and things like that. Tried that for a couple of years, and that just doesn't take off. Whereas my success in getting a publisher to take the prototype, to sit down and play the prototype and look at it while going to conventions is very high. Um, I've had very good luck with it. So all, all the experiences I've had with any publishers has been a re- as a result of either one of the major conventions, and Origins is usually an easier convention to pitch at than Gen Con just because of the busy factor. Or at one of the game designer conventions, like an Unpub event, if you've heard of Unpub, and uh, shout out to John Mullen, and Protospiel events. The, the, I've just had really good luck with, with meeting folks and networking at Protospiels. Last year, Gen Con, I came with four prototypes packed away and left with none. I got uh, four publishers to take the, the prototypes. The week after Gen Con, I sent out thank you uh, emails to all four of them to say thanks, I appreciate your consideration. And Cryptozoic answered back that email on the same day and said we want it. So, nice. uh, yeah, nice, right? <laughs> I love that tempo. I love that 
we want it, we're going to go for it. And, you know, we're going to get this thing out. And I've never looked back. I've just been so happy with them. They've been a terrific partner throughout all this. I've got to um, give credit to Matt Hyra. He's one of the game designers he actually works for, Cryptozoic. He has his own games coming out uh, as well, but uh, he kind of shepherded Grabwell through the system and through the playtest and had just terrific uh, ideas in refining things, cleaning things up. He ran the playtest and he was checking with me all the time on, well, what we're thinking about changing this. Is that going to work? And so on. I just, that's the type of partnership you can just, as a designer, you just dream of. You know, it's been a long process that I've been watching the artwork develop. Cryptozoic's usually known for themed games. Um, almost all of their, uh, heavily themed, you know, in the industry, they'll call it licensed games where, you know, th- this year they have, uh, Lord of the Rings game coming out. They have Walking Dead and the uh, Walking Dead card game, and the uh, video game Assassin's Creed. That's that's another one of their big releases this year. They have quite a few, uh, I think almost 20 releases coming out this year, and there I can think of two games that they're releasing that don't have licenses associated with them, you know, some recognizable brand associated with them. One is ROFL, uh, Raffle, if you will, uh, by John Kabbalah, right? That's his first game game that he came out with himself. I can't wait to to play it. I've uh, seen the early the early cuts of that, and uh, he'll be demonstrating that at Gen Con this year. And Gravwell, my game, uh, my game has a science fiction theme, but it's it's a generic science fiction. Right. Theme. Yeah, it's not a licensed product. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. So you know, I have to work a little bit harder, I think, to to kind of sell the idea because I don't have that natural fan base coming into the game. So I've got a its secret sauce is not the fact that you recognize all the characters and all the ships and things like that, it has to stand out on its game mechanisms. And that's that's what I try to really emphasize, is the game mechanism, the heart of the game. And Gravwell's got a unique one. I've never seen a game that plays like it, and I, I submit that you, that nobody else has either, that plays the way that it plays. It's all about the movement of the ships. If you look on Board Game Geek, you'll see what the board looks like. And you know when you first see the board, it's a, a spiral board, looks like a linear spiral board with a bunch of hexes on the on the spiral and knee-jerk reaction people might think that's a roll and move game or something and it couldn't be farther from it there's there are no dice the movement in Gravwell, the players all have a hand of cards that indicate how far their ship is going to move and when it's going to move each player picks one card puts it face down on the table and they all reveal at the same time and then the ships start to move the letter, the, the deck is 26 cards lettered A to Z. It's pretty easy to figure out who's going first. Whoever closest to A is moving first. When you move, you always move toward the ship that's closest to you. So if you have a ship immediately in front of you, that's great news. Unless that ship moves before you do, and they end up moving behind you, then you end up moving backward. So there's a lot of slingshot back and forth motion. It's just really quick and a lot of uh, racing back and forth, real dynamic play. You could be in the lead and two hands later, you're way in the back. Um, the whole thing was based around some ideas I had about catch-up mechanisms. I'm not talking about tomato paste here, but uh, <laughs> catching up in a game. I wanted to make it easy to catch up and hard to run away with the game. And it's that because you're entangled with the other ships. Uh, if you get out ahead of the pack, You've got nothing to pull against. Uh, the only direction you can go really is back. I say that in the deck, five of the cards actually repulse. They, they push you away. 
So it is possible to get out in front and push, still push away and get that last little bit. The whole object of the game is to, um, to escape from this gravitational, gravitational anomaly thing. So you're just trying to advance your ship and all the ships are advancing together. There are two derelict ships that are just, um, I call them NPCs basically. They just, they're, they're on the track. They act as another ship to pull against, but they don't move on their own. But the game plays in 20 minutes. I can uh, teach it to you in about three. It's, it's dynamic. It's always dynamic right up to the end. It has, this game has a good finish. Uh, I'm, I'm real happy with the way it worked out. That's cool. I mean, I, you've heard obviously, but it's definitely got Jordan and I intrigued and, uh, we, we've been kind of wanting to keep an eye on it. I believe you told me, unfortunately, it's not going to be at Gen Con or are they going to have at least a couple demo com- copies at Gen Con? They will have some, they will have some demo copies. Okay, um, good. yeah, and I, I just saw, I just saw the, uh, the final version of the ships. The ships look fantastic. I, the colors are bright enough that I can discern them. Uh, well, that's, that's a win for me. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I will definitely have, uh, have copies at Gen Con to, um, to demonstrate with. We, it'll be released. It's still listed as Q3 of this year. So, you know, the, in the next, uh, they aren't giving me a date. So I'm not going to, I'm going to say that's good. So, but we, we can expect it sometime after Gen Con. Yeah. Very shortly thereafter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's possible to pre-order it on, on some of the online sites right now. So, nice. but go to your friendly local game store, please. Go to. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a big, big fan, big advocate of friendly local game stores. Ah, so. what'd you think of that episode then? <laughs> the episode where we, we <laughs> talked about that with Cyrus. <laughs> you know, I get it. I get it. And uh, I've heard, uh, I've heard other pundits say, "Look, get over it." You know, I buy on the internet. Suck it. You know, that's the way it goes. <laughs> I get that. I get that. And, you know, it, it, I don't know. It just, it just burns me. I, I like to physically be there with games, with other gamers. Um, and yes, you can have those same sort of relationships, friendships and so on online, but in your face just feels so much better when you can, you know, you're breathing on them, you know, and they can feel the spit when you say it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoy local game stores as well. Unfortunately, I guess it's kind of great for the store, but unfortunately what I tend to find and, and our local one now, which has only been here for a little while, has when they first started out, they were like, Oh yeah, teach us this, teach us this. Uh, you know, we want to do this. We want to do that. And now you go in there and it's a full blown, if you don't play magic, we don't want to talk to you kind of shop to the point where wow. like I've even gone in there with people that like I know they've had conversations with me so and but it had been a while so maybe they kind of knew who I was and didn't approach me which I still don't agree with but I've met people up there that were coming to town and just meeting me and we weren't in at the same time like they weren't standing next to me talking to me that got completely ignored and that is when I kind of go all right you know the, when you get that kind of store then it goes the opposite direction for me, then I'm not going to go to that type of store. <laughs> no, I get that completely. And that's, I mean, that's not just true of game stores. That's, that's true of any place. Exactly. You know, I, I, I can get ignored. If you saw my, you know, I'm not a fashionista, you know, I, I don't dress well. I, if I walk into any place that, you know, is the smallest bit high end, I'm, I'm looked down on because it's like, clearly you don't know how to dress. You don't belong in the store. But, uh, you know, doubly so if it's, if it's, you know, Geek Central, a game store, it should, they should be, you know, more, uh, more welcoming. I, I'm very lucky. I live about a mile from, to me, one of the really standout game stores 
that I've been in. You, know, you got to think about. I've been in game stores all over this, all over the country now, and a few of them stand out. There's there's a terrific one, uh, uh, Game Night Games in um, in Utah, in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, they are just phenomenal. And I would put Epic Loot with them. Epic Loot is in Dayton, Ohio. This is the one I'm talking about, about a mile from my home. Uh, they've been in business just two years. They just had their uh, second birthday this past weekend. And they started strong and just got stronger. And they have a magic component. Uh, they, they do have Friday Night Magic mm-hmm. and um, all of the different promotional events and so on. Hey, that game is keeping the lights on in a lot of game stores. Right. And I will not, they, they really got, you know, certain members of the, of the staff and they have a, a good staff whose really focus is keeping that game and keeping the community of that game going. And, um, that keeps the lights on. Well, that gives them the luxury of doing a lot of other interesting things. They have a very large miniatures room. And again, they're very accommodating with that. They have um, board game nights two nights a week. I wish I could get to those more often. But they have a terrific selection uh, and a nice variety of board games. And, you know, I appreciate that because I know board games are, they don't tend to sell themselves. I mean, they don't they don't sell the space that they take up. It's one of those, it's part of the whole shebang. So you got to have those too. But they are really terrific. They're really, they keep well stocked and they really are up on what's popular and what's, um, what's selling. And they're a comic book store, which a lot of people would say, don't do comics and, you know, games in the same store, but it's working well for them. They, they just, they have the right mix of, of folks and they're very professional. Anyway, I'm, I'm saying this about Epic Loot specifically, but boy, any game store that, that has that sort of customer service and the right balance of, of what sells and uh, what keeps the community going. Yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah, I I agree. And I obviously, like I said earlier, I've worked in a game store, so I understand the magic side of things, the business side of magic, (laughs) put it that way. Yeah, it's it's definitely, a a, depending on where you fall, a necessary evil or or whatever. I mean, because it it is time consuming for a store too, but like you said, it, it keeps the lights on. It really does. Yeah. So I don't, I never fault a store for that. What I fault can be when you decide if you're not walking in the door to buy packs, then I don't have time for you. <laughs> right. And right. we, we actually do have up in the Twin Cities. So uh, Minneapolis, we've got in the Minneapolis area, uh, the source is a really great one. And of course we have the fantasy flight games event center as well in that. Oh, area. that's terrific. Yeah. 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 That's really great. Epic Loot has also uh, been really terrific in terms of the career and so on. They're very supportive. Uh, a lot of my games get play tested there, and they help me round up uh, play testers for them. They, as part of uh, board game, or, I'm sorry, tabletop day uh, back in March of this year, they reached out to me to help uh, to ask if I could help them uh, organize a game designers session, and we ended up teaming up with Unpub and John Mahler's uh, organization to. Um, promote a designer meetup and it was it was well attended and it was just really terrific and that was the first time uh, my latest game uh, hit the table and that that's Santorini and we can we can talk about that one a little bit and they they're asking uh, now if uh, I can help organize another uh, event like that and uh, well after Gen Con's under my belt yes I will be glad <laughs> to help organize another another designer meetup are you working Gen Con out of Cryptozoic's booth or is that your plan? Yeah, I am. Uh, I've got a couple of different things I'm I'm going to be doing at Gen Con this year. The um the main one is, and I hope if anybody's listening to the podcast while at Gen Con, come on by on Friday from noon to four. 
uh, I will be in the Cryptozoic booth uh, demonstrating Gravwell. Gravwell will be there as well, you know, even when I'm not. And uh, I'm enough of a geek that I might just be in the booth anyway uh, to show it off and to talk about it. You know, you really have to twist my arm to get me to talk about one of my own games or to, to demonstrate it. But um, I'll be there wandering the floors. Thursday night, I'm going to be helping James Math from um, Minion Games. Uh, he's doing what sounds pretty exciting, a, a publisher speed dating event where everybody will have five to ten minutes to to pitch their game to a, a, a you know cross section of the of publishers, um, game game publishers. That's looks like a real win win. You know, it's, it's it saves the publishers the hassle of having to figure out when they're going to schedule their their pitch meetings and so on, get a, a lot of men all at once. So I'm just going to be uh, volunteering there and helping. I'm going to be helping keep time at that. So if you're in the neighborhood for that, there's also he's he's arranged a meet and greet, and I'll be showing up for that meeting meet and greet as well. So I know my Thursday is pretty tight. I can't remember what my Friday looks like, but we're going to have to you're going to have to let me shake your hand in person, sir. <laughs> oh yeah, by all means. I uh, I'm going to get a uh, a board a boardroom pass, so I'll probably haunt that whenever I. I don't have any place else to be. I'll probably pop into the boardroom. And uh, when I'm there, I'll probably have the second of, of two uh, prototypes for Santorini. So some people have been asking to, to get a chance to play Santorini. So that isn't going to be available till next year. But uh, if you if you catch me in the boardroom, I, I, I might be able to set that up real quick. All right. So, you know, we talked a little bit about Gravwell, which, again, we're looking forward to. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about Santa, Santorini? Sorry. Yeah, Santorini. S A N T. Yeah, S A N T O R I N I. Santorini. It's named after uh, an island uh, region in uh, in Greece. It's a volcanic caldera. If you do a Google image search on Santorini, you'll you'll see it. You'll recognize it. It's a a gorgeous bunch of cities, a little bit like uh, you'd see in Rio de Janeiro, the sprawling city kind of up the side of a, a mountain. The this game really uh, embraces that that look and feel. My uh, my prototype kind of captures it, and I know that uh, the publisher that it landed with is going to do an outstanding job. They they have an artist already lined up for it, who has been to Santorini and has already painted Santorini. Nice. So I yes, right, exactly. Nice. I just I, I'm really happy with the publisher. They they really they get me. They really get me. Um, <laughs> Just real quick, I just want to point out too that I've seen the prototype photos that you've been sharing online. It it is it looks like it's a very beautiful game right now. Well, thank you. Um, so, thank you. Uh, what's going to happen with it in the future will be just awesome. I'm sure. Yeah, and and I'm really glad the publisher he he really sold me because he said no, I want this thing to be really good quality. Uh, the board, the Santorini is a is a, a vertical a vertical game. It's it's not perpendicular to the table, but it does stand up like a um, a book rest or something like that. You know, it, it's it's angled about seventy degrees off of uh, off of perpendicular or off of flat. Anyway, it's it looks like the side of a mountain, right? And tiles are placed. They're hexagon tiles, and they're placed. They stack on each other, and you build you build as you go. And it's a real simple objective. You have six hotels, and your job is to place those six hotels. The hotels have to be placed so that they have a nice view. And the view is defined as the area, the triangular shape below wherever the hotel is placed. So you can picture the arc. Uh, you know you know how a honeycomb looks, and uh, you can picture stacking those tiles up, the hexagon tiles up. The triangular shape, you know, basically Christmas tree shape that it, that formed below 
the hotel, that defines its view. Santorini, the region is known for these beautiful blue domes. Uh, they're religious, I want to say shrines uh, throughout the city. And your view is defined by how many, how many of these domes are in that, in that view. But your opponent's hotels, if they're in the view, they detract from the view because you don't want somebody in your hotel looking out and saying, Hey, next year we should stay there. <laughs> so anyway, it's, it, but it's very, again, I, I design casual games. Uh, this is a, this will play in 20 minutes to half an hour. One of the interesting things about it is that it, you, you, you play, you basically both sit on the same side of the table. So it's a really nice game for couples. So yeah, nice. uh, there's no, it, it, one thing you might notice in my games, it's not a, a principal thing on my part, but um, neither of my games so far have any shooting, combat, war, anything like that. So they're very well suited for the European market as well. You know, we, you, you talked a bit earlier about uh, some of the rejections you got. Yeah. trying to break in and you've gotten several of those but here yeah. we are today and you're you're getting two games published here soon yes so anyone else listening that is trying to get into your shoes do you have any uh here's the one thing you really need to know and keep in mind coming up as a indie game designer or as a game designer trying to break into the yeah i, I i've waxed all kinds of philosophical <laughs> on, on on twitter you you've probably seen a lot of those uh, this past week well some of my gems from this past week right uh, I, I said, you know, if you're going to design games, design games. And that's, that's plural. You know, the, the first game you get published will probably be the sixth game you design. Um, certainly the case for me. I worry about my, my fellow designers who, who get fit, fixated on, you know, their one game. Their, their, it's their white whale. It's that thing that they need to land, you know, and it's, you know, it can be tragic. And I, my recommendation is get away from it. Look at some other designs. You know, it's a craft. You need to work at it. I, I listen to a lot of a lot of um, that this type of advice from other designers, and one of the things I I harp on is carry a design notebook. And I don't know, I haven't found a way of doing it on a, on a tablet yet. You know, I, I carry an iPad, but I haven't found that to be satisfying. I carry a, a moleskin book um, with a pen, and I've got it with me all the time. Uh, if you run into me on the floor at Gen Con. I will have that book with me. And it's with me on flights. It's with me. It's next to my bed at night. It's not in the shower. Um, but, you know, okay, it's just come on, Come on, Corey. Are you serious about this or not? <laughs> yeah, get in or get out. <laughs> Make up your mind. That's right. Well, one of the other things I, I tweeted this week was that when I accept my first Spiel des Arts, <laughs> I will be wearing a suit made of my rejection letters. The <laughs> Right. Nice. It, it, it is. Uh, yeah. You know, you get you get a lot of them. I'll tell you, they're all gracious. Um, some of them are boilerplate. Yeah. But they're all gracious. And the really good ones come with some really good feedback. Um, you know, I I have no heartburn with a company who thoroughly gave it, you know, gave it a game, a good shake and, and really tried it. And if it just doesn't fit them, it doesn't fit them. But I'll tell you, getting face to face. Getting face to face makes all the difference because they gotta, you can talk about it. All these things I'm talking about right now, they're not tangible. When you actually experience it, then it means something. Well, if you experience the game, you see the, you get that aha moment and all the games we're dealing with, all the games we're designing and so on, it's all about that aha moment. And if the, the publisher sees that, they don't care about the artwork because they're going to replace all that anyway. They don't, you know, all they care about is that it gave them a little thrill, a little something triggered that, okay, wow, I discovered something. I, I, I laughed. I, I beat somebody. Somebody beat me terribly. You know, whatever. It's just that little 
uh, spike of adrenaline of, oh, cool. And um, he, really the best way to convey that is face-to-face right there with them. I wrote up some of this, and again, we'll, we'll put this in your, your, your show notes. Grant Rodiak, he keeps the, the site um, uh, Hyperbole. Uh, hyperbole games right he asked me a long time ago to to write a, a long time ago a year ago way back to write up something about about pitching and there, so there's an article there that, where i i kind of run down here's here's how i approach somebody in a booth at a con it's really to me i'm not saying it's a foolproof i'm just saying my luck with email with putting up a website with conventional mail uh, all of those sorts of things uh, my strikeout rate is 100%, and using, you know, face to face, being a human being, wanting, you know, expressing, you know, here's a game I'm excited about, and I think you'll be excited about too. I've got two games coming out. So. I love it. I had something I completely forgot what I was going to ask you because I got wrapped up in <laughs> what you were talking I, about. I know. I'm spellbinding. I know. It's it, just, it's, it's true. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's the eyes. And and you just you're just yeah. staring right back at me, Corey. Just, you just, yeah. <laughs> hey, it's mutual. It's mutual. Believe me. You tell me where you're at. I'll get in my car. Right <laughs> this 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 isn't what you were expecting. Yeah, this took a turn. This uh, uh, I just I just sunk whatever whatever listenership you had. I just no no it, no you tr- tr- you can't you can't do that any worse than we've done. Well, that's right. Half your listenership's right here talking. to That's you. pretty much yeah. It's, it, <laughs> I, I I hope you like to listen to yourself. Otherwise, our numbers are going to look like just crappy. <laughs> well, the fact that you've only you know like you've you've talked for maybe two minutes of this time. <laughs> yeah, I do like to listen to myself. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's funny. I one of the things that always kind of keeps me humble is I, uh, I I watched Star Wars Episode One with George Lucas talking about his masterpiece there, right? And mm-hmm. and George Lucas thinks Star Wars Episode One is comparable to uh, Godfather, right? He 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 thinks that's a that's a you know he, he just knocked it out of the park. So that keeps me humble, you know. I <laughs> whatever I want to talk about, you, you got to realize, you know, step back, <laughs> you know, have a good look. So. All right. There were a couple of things I, w- I wanted to ask you along the way about kind of like your processes and type uh, stuff like that. So we talked a bit about your path to getting to published, but was there, was there a defining moment for you when you said, all right, I want to, you're not giving up your day job, obviously, but I want to f- be serious about designing games. Was there a, a switch somewhere along the way that you can think of? Wow, I really like that question, and I'm not just saying that to give myself time to think about it. <laughs> I really do. It had to be, you know, that 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 Steve Jackson when I I sent without having a full a game fully baked, I sent him my idea for the game and how it would work and so on, and the fact that he took an interest and he said, yeah, okay, I'll look at that. You know, that that's pretty motivating. The fact that a, a guy that you admire. Um, that you, uh, you know, played a lot of his games. He said, what you're thinking about is not crazy. That's motivating. So yeah, that, and then, you know, the, the positive feedback that came out of that, I realized, okay, this is painless. You know, uh, I can do this in my, I call it the nine to midnight. You know, when I'm, when I am at home, I've only been doing this job with the travel and so on for the past two years. But, uh, prior to that, when I was at home, you know, I was with my wife and family and so on up until nine o'clock at night when the kids go to sleep. And then that nine to midnight was my time for, for designing games. And 
you know, that kept me moving to, to rather than just crashing or watching television. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to design games. Yeah. All right. And then again, you, you've got two games that are at publishers right now, which yay. Yeah. <laughs> do you have a process that you like to follow? Like uh, you've got the idea and you're like, okay, I, this is something I want to pursue. Is there a process to your design or are you still trying to develop that? Or you don't care if you develop that. The the game is the game. I mean, what what? How do you go about that? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, first of all, the the game is the game, and, and that sort of thing. I <laughs> I I'm, I'm reluctant to tell the story. Um, <laughs> the, uh, somebody recently was talking about the the last ten percent. You know, getting anybody can get that first ninety percent, that last ten percent, and so on. And somebody was telling me about that about a game that I just sold. Yeah, and it was just. Yeah, you know, that last 10%, that's not my problem anymore. <laughs> you know? yeah, I, I, I'm not that cavalier, you know. <laughs> but it, it, I, sound, it sounds to me like you're firmly on the d- design side. Like you don't have the desire for the publishing side of things. Am oh, I yeah. No, absolutely not. Absolutely okay. not. And that was another one of my tweets today that, you know, as a, as a, a, a game designer, I can say categorically, I know but this about manufacturing. About marketing, about product development, play testing. You know, the, the, the things I don't know about this industry would just stagger. And I always knew, I, I admire so much the, the folks who can get a good Kickstarter and get it going, but I always knew that wasn't viable for me because I can't, I, it's, I have to have a day job. I have a wife and four kids. I have to have a day job. I can't commit that. And Frankly, it doesn't really intrigue me, the idea of having a game company publishing or anything like that. It's, it doesn't, that's not tripping my triggers. I care about game mechanisms. I care about how the game plays and, and things like that. That's, that's what keeps me going. So, uh, it's a different kind of reward, different kind of reward. So do you have at least a, a template type process that you follow? Like, okay, this idea is stuck in my head. I need to make it a game or I need to see if it, it'll, fly as a game do you have some kind of process that you like to go through yeah i do i um i I tend to work with what i call studies uh, the same way that an artist would do a study uh, still life or something like that same sort of thing Uh, i do studies of little parts of games the the core mechanism of gravwell this gravitational movement um being attracted to the other ships that came out of a study i was doing just on catch-up mechanisms and different ways of, of keeping score on things I'll build out that, and that was actually part of another game to begin with. And I pulled, I found that that was working better than the rest of the game. So I pulled that out and made that the center and hung, uh, you know, a game around it. I'm a very much a mechanism guy. I care about, you know, how the game works. I am not going to build the next deck builder. I'm not going to design the next deck builder thing. I'm not going to throw a theme onto an existing mechanism. I appreciate other mechanisms that have been developed. Gravwell uses a draft, a simple draft mechanism, right? It's part of, it's a key part of the game, but it's not the core. Uh, so I'll, I'll take, you know, uh, mashup mechanisms and so on, but every one of the games that I'm coming up with has something new that has, has something, uh, that's, that's very important to me. Uh, that's, that's where I, I, I get my little charge. Right? My games are not similar to one another other than the fact that they are casual games. Uh, all the games, I'm, I don't know that I, I'm going to ever make a game that will take more than an hour to play. I admire those games and, and I'm blown away at some of my, my favorites. Like, well, probably the heaviest game I play is Macau. 
which a lot of folks would say, that's not a very heavy game. Again, that one will usually you'll get in under an hour. But that's probably my upper limit. I, I, I say I, I design what I call mid-Atlantic games. There's some place between American games and Euro games. Uh, it's someplace in between. I'm not going to do any roll and move. I haven't done anything with dice yet, nor am I going to have something where you have to feed your minions. Um, you know, <laughs> so. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so you've got your, your ideas for the type of games that you want to create and stuff. But uh, again, to take it from idea to game, is there a process that you actually. Sure. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. I, I thank you for bringing me back. I, <laughs> um, I do go off. Uh, anyway, the, um, Again, start with the core mechanism. Make sure that that's working. Make sure that that's um, running on all cylinders. But I uh, take a pointer from in, in, I don't know if anybody knows about project management. Um, that's a lot of what I do is, is IT project management consulting and the agile process. And that is, you know, make a quick, get some capability out there, make quick mistakes, get it, you know, get something that works, throw it out there, make sure, and then refine it and iterate, iterate, iterate. And I just take that and I apply it to games. And game design. So I'm fortunately, I, I have some terrific friends and again, the folks at Epic Loot help me find other playtesters who, who are willing to play half a game, who are willing to, to play that just bits and pieces. Does this work? Is this interesting? Is it just, you know, is it just cool in my head or is this like work for other, for other people too? Sanity check. Then things will start to form up. One of the last things I do though is write the rules. Um, because I want the rules to be able to change during the, the testing, during the testing phase, I'll come up with a hint card, you know, just a, a high level summary so that people can keep it straight while they're play testing it. But the formal rules, I'm just going to rattle them off during, during the play test. But it is refine, refine, refine. And I really encourage uh, designers to get out with other designers. As painful as my first protospiel experience was, <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Nunn, uh, another really great designer, he, <laughs> He, I was nobody at the time and, and I brought out a game and it was a, it was, I was not proud of it. It was a kind of a derivative game and he just gave it a resounding meh. You know, it just, it just didn't click with him, but he gave real good reasons why it didn't click. And, uh, it was hard to hear and it made me a better game designer. That's why as, as scary as it might seem, get to these events, get to the unpub events, get to the protospiels. Or if there's just James Math has got some other ones going on um, at his at his uh, store in Milwaukee, and just every opportunity you can to get it in front of other designers. They're my best friends. The Santorini I brought to uh, Protospiel. This was it's Santorini. The deal on Santorini, the ink's still wet on that. That just happened at this past Protospiel in Ann Arbor. And what I brought in the door in terms of rules, the the board and all that stuff was was there, and the the core mechanisms were all working. But there were a few rules that needed fixing. And Kevin Nunn, same guy that uh, burst my bubble in the, the first protospiel I went to, he he sat down and uh, with me and Mike Sullivan, uh, another great designer from the Boston area. The two of them just sharpened the pencil. They they really they you know. They, they, they closed the, you know, they, they, they pitched the ninth inning. They got it done. Uh, I, I'm going to stop with the metaphors now, but <laughs> anyway, they, they really put the polish on it and it, it's, it really made it click. It really made it work after that. And so it was two hours later, two hours after they looked at this game, it got its first offer. Nice. Yeah. 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 So I got to, you know, it's a, it's a collaborative thing and uh, I, I'm always, I want to be quick to, to give credit where it's due. I completely agree with you. I actually 
did a protospiel episode special episode and we did a little video on some of the games i played with the last one i saw were you at the protospiel the last protospiel milwaukee did i miss you no no no. okay i wasn't there it's that's a bit of a drive yeah Um, yeah. (laughs) so um i I live in dayton dayton ohio and um i've been to to similar events in um columbus ohio they've got a terrific design community going on over there boy the folks in um Salt Lake City are so lucky. They have the Board Game Designers Guild of, of Utah. Yeah. They meet monthly. Imagine having a protospiel monthly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, it's it's one evening, but it is it's more structured than protospiel or unpub, unpub events tend to be, where you basically have to show up a few times, you know, for over the course of a couple of months before you can get one of your games to the table. You know, it's it's put in your time, see how we do this, and give back first. You know. Right, yeah. um, Play, play other people's games first. And I just, I, I've been there um, for two of their events and I was, I was very, very impressed. Yeah. So. We've got a couple uh, designers in this area that I've seen start kind of talking about, should we do something? Should we put some, something together? And I keep trying to decide if I have the time to throw my support behind it because I've done uh, like the, the Rochester gamers community is a gaming organization. This area I helped, set that up and i used to run the gaming convention in the area so i've got some of that some of what they need to at least get off the ground it's just a matter of if i have time and to see how many people are involved but i really think with the amount of people in the area i know do game design it would nothing but benefit everybody i mean those events are like you said those are the proto spiels the unpubs all that stuff those are just if you're not attending those you really need to be yeah, I definitely uh, would love to see one start in the area. I just don't know how much I can give to them, unfortunately, at the moment. Well, just to, you know, even if your role was just to boost the signal, right, yes, yeah, and yeah. and provide you know the the some of the marketing push behind it. Yeah, I, I again, I travel five days a week. Uh, I would love to do more uh, in supporting you know the local community and um, things like that. I do try to. The, the Epic Loot has asked me to, to, you know, start thinking about the next time we're going to have a similar designer event and we'd like to have it be more of a regular thing. Love to. And I want, and I will help however I can. But, you know, my, my weekend time is, is uh, precious. Yes. Especially for you. Yeah. With all your, all the travel you do. All right. Well, you know, I've kept you at the, about that hour mark. Like I said, I would tell it goes fast. It goes it extremely does. fast, does. especially, yeah. you know, just you're so dreamy. I had to hit you one more time. <laughs> no, it's okay. No, no, the thing is, it serves me right. Um, I, I, my 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 good friend uh, Chevy Dodd, another designer. Oh yeah, he was recently on. Uh, you should get him on if you haven't had him. I don't remember hearing one. I talked to Chevy at Protospiel, the the Protospiel event. Uh, okay. He sat he sat down in that with me, and I had him. We actually gave away one of his games, so I did a yes, real brief intro for it. But yeah, I do need to. Uh, mm-hmm. Chevy's a Chevy, and I get along very, very well. So yeah, I need to get him back well, on too. I he was on a recent podcast, and they solicited questions, and I and I said, you know, just how did you get to be so damn handsome? You know? <laughs> and uh, so this whole this whole dreaming thing is. is uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if we put you up to it. Uh, <laughs> No, no, really. You've you've listened. You should know better than that by now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Right. I knew what I was doing before I signed up for this. Exactly. Yeah, yeah you got nobody to blame but yourself. 
All right, but before uh, I completely wrap this up, I definitely want to give you an opportunity if there's something we haven't covered or something you want to make sure we end uh, and let our uh, listeners know about. I want to throw the floor over to you for that. I, I appreciate it, but I, I think I've kind of pitched everything as, as hard as I can pitch it. Uh, I'm going to be um, promoting you know, uh, Gravwell at, at Gen Con and, um, and obviously when it rolls out. And expect to see Santorini. The, the, the talk is that Santorini is going to come out before the convention season of next year. They really want to turn it quickly and I'm, I'm excited about that. So, but more than that, you know, I want to just encourage, you know, I'm just a schlub. You know, <laughs> I, I do this like there are so few full time game designers. If it can happen to me, it can happen to, it can happen to anybody. There are practical things you can do, but nobody's going to, nobody's going to print your game as long as it's sitting in your bottom drawer or in your backpack. You know, you got to take that step and get it out in front of people. And that makes all the difference. All right. So Gravwell is going to be coming out from Cryptozoic. It will be at Gen Con for you to check out. And Corey, uh, like I said, my schedule is, is kind of goofy, but I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to be kind of disappointed if I don't get to see Gravwell. And that'll be on me. But uh, Jordan and I are really interested in what you're trying to put out. So hopefully we'll get a chance to check it out at uh, Gen Con as well. I'll be uh, tweeting the whole time I'm there. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at at C underscore M underscore Young. Always the shameless promoter. But uh, anyway, I'll be tweeting while I'm there. So um, I, I I really enjoy meeting up with uh, the folks I know on Twitter and uh, and through the uh, Card and Board Game Designers Guild on Facebook. If you haven't tuned into that yet, you're, you're missing out. Uh, a lot of fun discussions over there. And I'm looking forward to meeting people face to face that I that I know there well. Well, thanks a lot for hanging out with me today, Corey, and thanks for taking uh, the abuse that you knew you were going to get. <laughs> this has really been a pleasure. It really has, and and I was so I was so happy. This is it. This is my first podcast, and uh, nice. Well, thank gentle. you, thank you. Yeah, thank you for being gentle with me, and uh, <laughs> this will always be special to me. <laughs> me too. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna frame this one. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, man. Okay. Thank you so much. Take care. I've got a hundred thousand comics carefully collected And all the action figures for them carefully selected The posters and promotions for each superhero movie My ringtones rank inverter and Ash saying I've got each permutation of the Xbox and PlayStation My anime collection is the finest in the nation